0: Hey what's up everybody the fish tank guy here and welcome to episode number six of the fish tank guy podcast today is monday january 8th and i know that i missed my bi-weekly you know podcast slot but that's because of the holiday and all that good stuff going on so i gotta tell you guys i got a lot to talk about today i got a bunch of fun i don't know if it's fun it's fun to me, I guess. Uh, a lot of fun, non fish-related stuff. I've got a couple of personal fish tank updates of the tanks that I keep updated on YouTube, and then I also have a real good topic for today that I want to talk about. Kind of um, not really in depth necessarily, but I want to try to at least present, you know, an argument. That I guys, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm just going to tell you the topic. The topic is going to be test kits, and more specifically, the topic is going to be Red Sea test kits versus API test kits. Because honestly, I get a lot of people telling me like API test kits are garbage. Why do you use them? Red Sea all day, all the way. That kind of thing, and. I've never used a Red Sea test kit, but as far as I know, API test kits are – they're competent at the very least. So I'm going to do – I've already done, right? I've already done a little research. We're going to kind of pull together a bunch of different opinions, um, maybe a couple message board opinions there, and then uh, we'll talk about you know if Red Sea is the way to go or if API is Okay. For those of you who are just getting into the hobby, or even those of you who are, you know, have been in the hobby for a while and have established tanks. So we're going to talk about that too. But, uh, so yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's 2018. And, um, you know, should all the acquaintance be forgot? Okay, enough of that. But we had Happy New Year's. I don't know about you guys, I stayed up. Until the ball dropped, I stayed at home. I didn't go out. I used to go out years ago, but it's just not my thing anymore. There's a lot of people getting stupid and driving drunk and things like that. So I stayed home with my family, and we had a good time. We sort of just sat around. We uh, watched the ball drop. We watched Mariah Carey take another shot at it, right? And she she did surprisingly well. She could have done without the comments beforehand about the hot tea because people were just blasting her over that. Um but I think overall she sang really well, and some people were questioning, like, you know, why, why would she come back? Why would she come back and embarrass herself, potentially, again? And let's be honest, right, after last year, the screw-up where she was just walking around stage all mad, uh, and her vocals were still playing in the background, like, uh, obviously, Ryan Seacrest or the whoever, whatever network that ABC, I can't, I don't even know what network it is, but they said, look... Mariah, we'll give you some major coin if you come back, because the ratings are going to be phenomenal. Like, it, it's all business decisions, right? Mariah Carey didn't go on last year for fun, and she didn't go on this year for fun. She went on for money. So, you know, kudos to her for doing all right and um, singing pretty well. She sang "Hero" well. The first song was a little, a little warbly, but the second one was really good. And, you know, it was negative temperatures there. It was negative 1 or negative 2 or something. And, you know, there were people that stayed there from 8 a.m. until midnight. 8 a.m. until midnight in, like, let's just say around zero degree weather to watch that ball drop. Just go home. Go home. I don't know. Maybe... You know, everybody has this thing where they say, oh, you know, one of my bucket list items is to go to Times Square to watch the ball drop. Maybe I'll do that someday, but I ain't going to go there and stay outside for 16 hours to get a good seat when the best seat is at home on the couch, right? So that was interesting. A couple other things about the, uh, the New Year's Rock and Eve is these bands pop up that you've that you've forgotten about because they only ever had one song and one band that stood out for me and no offense to anybody who likes this band, but one band that stood out to me was walk the moon. I was like, Oh, here's walk the moon. They had one song, right? Shut up and dance was their song. And, and it was obvious why that was their only song because they did another song and it was like gratingly bad. It was just, I wanted them to be done with. And the the thing was, I wasn't even sitting in front of the TV watching them. I was like listening, as I was doing something else, and I told my wife that I I was like this song is bad. Like no one of these guys only have one song, and I think that's like one of the biggest like things that I don't like about music today is that these bands come and go. There are very few that that hang around, and because of the accessibility of music, like music accessibility is good, but it's also bad because, you know. People will just jump from one thing to the next. One thing, this song is hot this week. Oh, next, oh, this week is this song, and then this week is this song, and then this song, and then this song. And then most of the time, these songs are made by nobodies who are eventually one hit wonders, and every now and then one of them will break through. And, you know, maybe I'm a little, maybe I have my rose tinted glasses on, but I don't know. I don't think it was always like that. I felt like even in the 90s like if you started to hear music on the radio a higher percentage, not a high percentage, but a higher percentage of people would stick around for a while. I don't know. Maybe it was just me. So anyway, we had that. We had Christmas. Hopefully you guys had a good Christmas. I had a great Christmas. I'm 32 years old and I felt like I had a great Christmas for a child, not for a child. For a kid, for like a teenager, I got five video games. <laughs> so I was excited about that. I got, uh, I got a strap for my guitar, my electric guitar. I'm trying to play a little bit more. And uh, my wife got me a nice guitar strap for that, so that's cool. And the five video games that I got are awesome games. I got Super Mario Odyssey. I got Zelda Breath of the Wild. And then I got Wolfenstein, the New Order, Wolfenstein, the Old Blood, and Wolfenstein 2, the New Colossus, all three of which have been reviewed very well. And then Mario and Zelda were both Game of the Year contenders. I already beat Mario Odyssey, and that game is fun. Like, it's very fun it's not super difficult now I'm in like the after I beat the main story I'm gonna go back and try to get the rest of the moons they used to, you know how Mario it used to be like stars and then it was flower petals or you know banana peels I don't know what it was but it's moons in this game and the moons there are there are way there are a ton of moons I think there are too many I think they made some of them like too easy just to put more in there but the game is just fun it's a fun game. And the last game, the last Mario game that I had that much fun with was probably Mario 64. It came out when I was like 12 years old. That game was like the pinnacle of Mario games for me. Maybe it was because of how old I was and like 3D Mario was a brand new thing. But this game is a lot of fun. So if you're a gamer, Super Mario Odyssey, very cool. And I've only played about an hour, an hour and a half of the new Zelda but I'm not one for open world games, yet this game seems really cool also. I haven't played any of the Wolfenstein games yet, but Mario, awesome. Zelda first, first impressions, very good. Can't wait to get more time with it. So I was excited about that. And, uh, you know, my guitar strap is cool. I'm working on that. and I got a few other things that were a lot of fun. So it was a good Christmas for me. Uh, except the, the one downside of Christmas, I guess is that uh, for those of you who have been living under a rock, Erie, Pennsylvania, hello there, that's where I'm at, had a record-breaking snowfall day for Christmas and also broke numerous records for the most snowfall in uh, within three days and also within a week, I believe. So this year on Christmas, our snowfall total for one day was somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 inches. And our previous record was 8 or 9. So we, uh, I, think it was, I think it was 8 and I think it was 32. I think. If it was less than that, my bad, right? But either way, it was 3 or 4 times the, what the previous record was. And it was pretty crazy. Now, when I say pretty crazy, I just mean like the quantity of snow was very shocking. Right? Christmas Day, we ended up not going out to my parents' house like we usually do. We stayed in the whole day, and then I didn't want to snow blow or clear the driveway on Christmas Day because it was Christmas Day and we weren't going anywhere, and then the next day, the driveway was absolutely filled. Now, if you don't live in a snowy area, when I say filled, I don't mean like up to my kneecaps. I mean like almost up to my waist, filled with snow, and... Subsequently, I realized later that day that my snowblower was not working correctly. So the timing of that was extraordinarily bad. I ended up trying to shovel most of the driveway out by myself in shifts. I would go out for 20 minutes at a time. I'd kill myself shoveling and then I would come in, warm up, do something else, go out for another 20 minutes. After doing that four or five times, my wife came out a couple times to help me. I looked down the driveway and I had like half of it done. And I was trying to use a snow blower but I could essentially go like two inches at a time and then I had to back it off. And here I thought it was because the amount of snow was just so much and it was kind of heavy. So I figured the snow blower just couldn't handle it. My wife was getting frustrated that I bought like a cheap snow blower and this, I bought this snow blower years ago and it had always been fine. So she was like getting frustrated with me that my snow blower was not the greatest. And here, like, I cleared out half the driveway, then later that night I flagged down somebody plowing out another driveway, and I got them to clear out the rest of our driveway for 20 bucks. So that was, like, amazing. It was amazing feeling just standing in the garage watching this guy just, like, whoosh, like, take care of so much snow all in one pass. We, like, I had been out there for hours and hours, and I got half the driveway done. He did the whole thing in, like, three minutes. But... The next day, we got another, you know, because we had 60 inches of snow within three days or something like that. Um, like, the next couple days, I went out when the snow was much lower, maybe like four or five inches of accumulation, and I tried to use a snowblower, and it would, it would sputter out and do nothing again. So then I knew something was wrong, and here it was the belt. The belt had gone, um, the belt had like stretched out over time. My snowblower didn't have any way to adjust the tensioner to tighten it, so it was just slipping. As soon as it started hitting, you know, a, a decent amount of snow, it would slip, and that's why it wasn't pushing the snow out of the chute. So I went to the store where the people at the store were worthless, and um, I had to figure out what to get on my own. I had to like find the manual online. I figured they might have some sort of reference thing where they had models of, you know snowblowers listed and they could figure out what belt you need but they don't have anything like that so I found it online found the belt I'm telling you right now after hours and hours of shoveling and hours of the snowblower not working correctly when I fired that thing up and it worked the way it should mind you it probably has never worked this good like the belt was probably always like loose from the start like when I bought it it had never worked this good. I was freaking out in the driveway. I had my headphones in, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, snow blowing, son. I was like going up and down, listening to this rock music, like, yeah, dancing around like a moron. People were driving by and throwing my hands up, like, yeah, hey, what's up? We're all snowed in, right? <laughs> man, that feeling when that snowblower started kicking in and working, oh, it was the best thing ever. Now, I like going out there, man, crushing that driveway. But, um... So, to give you guys an idea, it's to give you some perspective. Some of you probably live where there is no snow, and you think, like, oh my gosh, these people got 60 inches of snow. Like, you see these articles on CNN. You see these, um, you see these, uh, different, like, editorial pieces about, like, oh, the people in Erie got freaking dumped on with snow, and they're just trying to survive, right? All this stuff. Like, to be totally honest with you guys, aside from the inconvenience of, like, having to stay in your house for a day or two when it was, like, really bad, like, for us the snow, the, even that quantity of snow like is not really all that outside of the norm. Like it really isn't. Like yeah, you have to find a place to put it, but we're we're a tough folk here. You know, we can drive to work, we can drive to our uh, you know, school, run errands or whatever even with all the snow going down. Um there were some interesting things that you would see. You would see people hoisting snow blowers onto their roof. <laughs> They're running the snowblower on their roof uh, because they're worried about the weight of the snow causing their roof to cave in. And the snowblower is probably way heavier than any snow that's up on that roof to be honest with you. But like you have that going on and like some of the icicles are just like amazingly crazy. Some people you can't even see the windows on the front of their house because the insulation in their roof line is so bad that the snow has melted already and they're forming icicles down the front of their house and the front of their house is all ice. It's all ice. Like it sounds like miserable, but when you see it, it's kind of cool. Like it's kinda of cool. Other than the fact that one of those icicles could fall and and stab you and you would die. Like other than that, it looks cool. It looks very cool. So, so the record-breaking snowfall in Erie was was fun. Um, it was inconvenience for a little while, but overall, it was okay. Fixing the snowblower was the best thing ever, and uh, yeah. So that's that was the Chris. That was Christmas here. That was Christmas in Erie, and um, so I'll let you guys know. I'm fifteen forty-five. 15, right around 16 minutes through the podcast I'm not even gonna bother trying to hit 30 minutes because I never hit it right I've got two more non-fish topics to talk about've I'm gonna do five five movie reviews in five minutes or less that's gonna be the new that's gonna be my new non-fish topic five reviews in five minutes or less it's probably like closer to around three minutes I'm gonna time it and see but I've got some zingers in the list including the last Jedi. ...and Blade Runner 2049, so I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to go into Tank Updates, then I'm going to go into Topic of the Week, then I'm going to go into The Fish of the Week, da, All right. So, other than that, this week is... Um, I'm happy that I'm, I'm recording the podcast today. The only bummer was this morning, it's again snowing here, and this morning was it was snowing pretty heavily... ...to the point where people were going very slow. They didn't have to go as slow as they were going, but they were going very slow... And I had to stop at Country Fair to get a breakfast sandwich this morning, which was more than halfway to work. And when I went to go pull my keys out of my coat pocket, I pulled my wife's keys out of my coat pocket. So uh, I pulled them out, and I was like, seriously? And I had to... uh yeah, I had to drive all the way back home, so that was not a great way to start my Monday. But now I'm doing good. I'm feeling good, recording the podcast. And, uh, okay. Here's, here's some other, two other things I want to talk about non fish related. The first, the first is, I don't, have you guys, ever since you're, you know, I've been an adult for a while now, I suppose. I'm age wise an adult, maturity wise, I am not. But, um, Ever since age-wise I've been an adult, there have been very few occurrences in my life where I've been genuinely, genuinely confused. Like when you're a kid, you're confused all the time. You don't know what people are talking about. They're, you know, they're, they're using words you don't know what they mean. They're, uh, they're using code language because they don't want you to hear stuff and then you're just like, what? What? What, what are you? Uh, what? What? So, I haven't had one of those moments that I can remember in quite some time. Except for the other day where I was driving to work and I was kind of on autopilot and I had the radio on and I was like half listening and this commercial came on and it was this girl who was like rapping. And you could tell that she's not like not a rapper, right? I, I don't know why that they 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 do this but it tends to be like radio stations for like smaller businesses they like try to do a rap and they have somebody come in who's just like a voice actor and like has no experience rapping And you could tell they're like very like uh, there's like the, their flow is weird and they're kind of just like reciting lines sort of not really rapping right it's kind of like it's kind of like Carlton on Fresh Prince like when he would try to be tough right and he'd be like on the contrary dear fellow right and then Will would just like make a joke of him or whatever but like so they had this girl who was rapping for this commercial and all I heard was C-O-M-A-T-O-N that's all I heard C-O-M-A-T-O-N and I'm like what the f*** is comatin? what is comatin? and for the next like 15 to 20 seconds they were saying things like, oh yeah, be prepared for the winter. You know, come in, make your appointment today. And this whole time, I am totally bewildered as to what comatin is. What is comatin? Right? And I think of, what is comatin? Come in and make your appointment, get prepared for winter. Like, they're making it sound like everybody knows what this is. And the word that they said at the beginning of the commercial was comatin. Well, so 20 some seconds later, and I know this is like really, this is like 30 seconds of my day, right? But I'm just telling you, like, I felt like ge- so genuinely confused that I snapped out of autopilot. I was like, what is comatin? And I just sat there, like, what? Please, what? Com- tell me what this is, right? They get to the end of the commercial and they say, so. Come on and stop down at Zoom Tan today or something like that. Stop on down or make your appointment at Zoom Tan today. Zoom tan. So the girl at the beginning of the commercial was actually saying Z-O-O-M-T-A-N and I heard it as C O M A T O N. I don't know why, but that's the way I heard it. And I'll tell you 3 or 4 days later, I heard that commercial come on out of nowhere. Z O O M T A N and I just burst out la- I just burst out laughing. I burst out laughing cuz I was like, "Dude, Calmatan. Dude, it's Calmatan." Now I'm wondering if they have Zoomtan everywhere. Let me see here. Zoomtan. Is Zoomtan just an eerie thing? That's what I'm looking for cuz if it's not, maybe you guys will hear these commercials in your area. But like, oh, okay. So it looks like ZoomTan. Zoom tan is located in Florida and Georgia. Why? Go outside, right? And it's located in New York and Pennsylvania. And it's only, okay, it's only located in Erie in Pennsylvania. And in New York, it's all over the place. It's in Buffalo, Rochester, um, Orchard Park, uh, Williamsville Webster I don't even know what these are Jamestown Johnstown Ithaca Geneva okay so uh, Cheek, uh no I don't know that one um, Auburn Amherst I don't know these cities either I'm just saying them uh so if you live in Pennsylvania New York Florida or Georgia you might hear the Comatin commercial <laughs> and uh you will know you will know what I'm talking about when you hear it it's kind of like when you mishear mis- song lyrics. But when you mishear song lyrics, you just go with it because most songs... Not most songs, but a bunch of songs don't make any sense anyway. So you're just like, yo, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, chew the gum, whatever they said, you know. So people used to tell me that Miss Independent by Kelly Clarkson, she used to say, uh, what happened to my cinnamon gum? Because it was what happened to Miss Independent. And she used to say, what happened to my cinnamon gum? So I, I don't know, but songs I don't care... Zoom tan, you screwed me up, man. I was really confused. You can genuinely confuse me as an adult for the first time in probably five years. So kudos to you. I will not be visiting your cancer-causing light stations of uh, death. I won't be visiting you anytime soon. But I appreciate the creativity of your commercial. So there you have it. Alright, and then the other thing that I want to talk about that I did over Christmas break was TJ, my stepson, got a brand new Nerf gun that is called the Mastodon. And it takes D batteries and it fires with a motor. So for any of you who grew up in the 90s, you had Nerf guns. They were always like pump action or there was like something you had to cock back and you'd fire it. This one actually requires D batteries to work. It shoots a 100 feet. The the darts fire 100 feet, and it's got 25 or so um, darts in this barrel. So it basically just, like, spins around, boom, 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 you shoot them, right? It's a lot of fun. So uh, TJ had a friend over during the break, and usually what happens with the Nerf guns, it just ends up devolving into this war of like, who can get the best one? And like, they make up these art, you know, rudimentary rules of like, oh, you can't shoot when I'm loading my gun, right? Or like, uh, oh, you, you can't fire her unless I have a gun in my hand, right? And they do all this, this back and forth, They're like, no shooting in the face. And then one of them shoots the one in the face, and then the other one shoots the other one in the face, and it just is like this like, nightmare. But, um, I remembered something that I did back in college. Yes, in college when I was a young adult. Um, For those of you who grew up in the 90s, I believe in the early 2000s there was an iteration of the show, um, American Gladiators. If anybody remembers American Gladiators, the theme song was... That was a theme song for American Gladiators. And they basically had these ripped, like muscular dudes and chicks. They were the gladiators and they brought on these contenders, and the contenders had to go through and basically play these events, or they were kind of like games with the gladiators and in, in an effort to try to score points and different things like that. Well, there was one game called Assault. An assault was essentially the gladiator stood with a large cannon that fired tennis balls at 100 miles per hour, and there was a large target over their head. Now, the contender would be on the course in front of the gladiator, and there would be stations, and at each of the stations there was um, a weapon of sorts that was essentially an overpowered, like, Nerf gun. And they would have to try to juke and fake their way to each station fire the weapon in attempts to hit the target if they hit the target they got x amount of points the game is over they won if they didn't hit the target they got so many points for shooting each weapon and getting all the way up to the closest station to the gladiator now we did something similar to this in college we we set up the um the like study area in our dorm room, we moved all the couches around and everything. And we had somebody stand on a chair and they had a Nerf gun and there were other Nerf guns and things like that. And it was so much fun. Like we all like decked out, like we went, we got cut off t-shirts and bandanas on and there's a picture of it. It's awesome. Um, I'll post it on my Twitter. So you guys can see what it was like back in the day Um, in 2003 or four. It was a lot of fun. So anyway, I had this idea in the new house that I moved into. We have a side that we use as like our entertaining side. It's basically like an empty room in our basement, and we had tables up because we had some family over over the holidays. But I thought what we could do is we could set the tables up and stagger them and things like that, and put a weapon, a Nerf gun, at each station, and then have this brand new big Macedon one. That would be the gladiator, right? It, dude, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. We still have it set up right now. There's four stations. There's four guns. We put a piece of uh, paper in the drop ceiling, like folded it so it would hang down from the drop ceiling above the gladiator. And we had a lot of fun doing it. We did it for like two or three days. We're going to do it again. We always, um, we always like announced like each gladiator. We all, we each took a gladiator name. TJ's gladiator name's Thunder, right? And he wants like Thunder by Imagine Dragons to play when he, when, when he's up as gladiator and stuff like that. And, uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. I made the kids wear like swim goggles because if you get hit with one of those arrows in the eye or in the face, like it would, it would kind of hurt right so if any of you are parents out there or you're not or you're just kids and you want something fun to do with your nerf guns find a larger room in your house set some things up and basically make like an assault type game out of it go on to youtube type in american gladiators assault and you'll find exactly what i'm talking about and that's something you can do with your nerf guns so your nerf gun battles don't divulge into who shot the other person in the face and uh who has the best gun because when you do something like this like everybody kind of plays together and like it doesn't matter if you win or lose it's all just about like the fun of the whole thing so like that was something really cool that i got to do over break so i'm already 28 minutes in i knew this was going to be a long podcast the rest oh no i got five reviews in five minutes or less And then the rest is going to be all fish tank related. So we probably got like 15 minutes of fish tank stuff. So we got about, we're going to have like a 45 minute podcast today. All right. So starting right now, 2830 into the podcast, I'm going to do five movie reviews. Uh, The first movie review is Love the Coopers. It is a holiday movie about like all of these kind of um, like one big family coming together. They are, um, what is the word? They're kind of dysfunctional. That's the word I'm looking for. And like the parents are going to get a divorce, but they're trying to find each other again. And the kids are happy to come home. And some of them are not happy to come home. And they all have like their insecurities and things like that. Um, John Goodman was in it. It was a pretty good holiday movie. I wouldn't say it was like great. I would probably give it um, like a C plus. So it was redeemable. Not one of my favorites. C plus. Next movie I watched was Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, this was a movie with woody harrelson and i can't remember the the lead lady actress in it but essentially her daughter was murdered years ago or maybe not even years ago months ago and the murder has never been solved and she takes out three billboards of advertisements on like some dead-end road that nobody ever uses and essentially asks like like calls out the chief and says like why hasn't this murder been solved um it was very interesting I don't think there was a good there wasn't like good closure to the movie but the the acting was well done and I feel like some of like the emotions that the people went through Sam Rockwell was in it too he's really awesome I love him some of the emotions that the people had were well done and um overall I thought it was an okay movie I would probably give that one a B minus so Love of Cooper I'll go through the end I'll go through all of them again at the end uh next movie was Brad's Status This is a Ben Stiller movie. He is a dad basically taking his son to different colleges in attempts to get him into different schools. And um, most of the movie is like a – I would say it's like a middle-aged crisis movie where Ben Stiller is more worried about how his life turned out versus his friends from college – And he sees his friends as being very successful, whereas, like, he doesn't think he really did a whole lot with his life, and he wish he would have made, you know, different choices and things like that. And it's kind of like a, like, almost like a finding yourself type film. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was funny in points. Um, I thought the dynamic between Ben Stiller and his son was really good. Jenna Fisher was actually his wife, but she wasn't in it very much. Um, again, like, the ending, A little bit too open for me. I would have liked a little bit more closure to the story. But I thought overall it was a good movie. It was pretty funny. I would give that a B. Um, The next movie is Blade Runner 2049. I had not seen the original Blade Runner before watching this movie. I have now. But um, I didn't when I watched Blade Runner 2049. I watched it with my wife. I watched all these movies with my wife, by the way. And um, Blade Runner 2049, I thought visually it was very cool. Um, it was an interesting story. It was an interesting concept. Um, it was a really cool sci-fi type film. I think I would watch it again. It was very slow in parts, but it was very cool. Um, the ending was a little bit sad. But overall, I thought it was a good movie. I'm on a string of watching pretty good movies lately. I would give Blade Runner 2049 a B plus. I think. B+. Alright, and the last movie... Which might extend me beyond my five reviews in five minutes is Star Wars The Last Jedi. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I've loved Star Wars forever. The Last Jedi, oh, okay, I'll try to keep it short. The Last Jedi, I thought it was a pretty good movie. When I watched it and it was over, I was a little disappointed, but I thought it was cool. Um, I wanted to watch it again right after it was over because I thought there were things that I missed, or um, I wanted to, you know look into the story a little bit more one thing that I'll say is very interesting about this movie is after I watched the movie and I started to see how other people were reacting to it my feelings to it for it you know almost changed a little bit I was almost like oh yeah that's a good point yeah that they didn't do that well or like oh yeah why did they make that choice like but those weren't things that I was thinking of as I was watching the movie and maybe that's because I'm not a super hardcore fan so if you were a hardcore fan, maybe you've been a little bit more upset about it. But for me, you know, it's for me. It's gonna be part of the Star Wars universe now. So you, it is what it is. You're just gonna have to roll with it. And um, I thought overall it was pretty good. It wasn't like I expected, but that's probably a good thing because if they keep pumping out movies that go as you'd expect them to, you're not gonna be as excited to see them. So. Star Wars The Last Jedi, didn't think it was awesome, didn't think it was bad. I'm going to give it a B B+. So I've got Love the Coopers, which was a C C+. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri was a... Oh, man. I don't even remember what I gave these movies now. You can just rewind and listen to them again. But overall... Outside of Love the Coopers, these four movies, uh, Three Billboards, Blade Runner 2049, Brad Status, and Last Jedi, were all pretty good. They were all pretty good movies. So uh, those are my five movie reviews for the week. I went a little over five minutes, but uh, that's just because I'm feeling long-winded today. All right? Okay, so let's get to the fish stuff. Now, in terms of tank updates, I already told you guys I put new fish in my saltwater tank. One of the biggest things that I did over break... <clears throat> was I fixed my protein skimmer in my BioCube? It had not been working well because um, I didn't have it at the proper level, and based on where the suction cups were. Maybe did I talk about this last time? I I don't know if I did or not. Essentially, what I did with the protein skimmer was I took the suction cups off, I hooked a paper clip around it, and hooked the paper clip to. Um, Um, The divider between the display tank and the chambers in the back and now it's at a good height And I'm getting very good skimming with it, and I'm happy about that So it's helping my tank to look a lot better I'm not getting algae buildup so fast and that was a really positive change for the tank So I'm happy about that Um, the only other big update that I have is The plumbing for the fish tank tower is almost entirely complete I have one more piece of tubing that I have to cut and attach onto one of the angled something or others. I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, but I have to do that. and then all of the plumbing will be done. And also the sump for the fish tank tower is already done and in place. Um, on the fish tank tower, and it's plumbed into the system. So I'm happy about that too. So I'm making good progress on my fish tanks. I will have some updates for you this week and next week and the following week and every week from now until eternity because I am the fish tank guy and that's what I do, right? Okay, so we got that. Now, let's go to our fish tank topic of the week. The topic of the week is Red Sea test kits versus API test kits. I got a lot of beef uh, with... Red Sea, or no, with API test kits from some of my viewers, people say oh, they're garbage. Why do you use those? You shouldn't use them. Blah blah blah, all this stuff, and I'm just like, my local fish store uses API test kits. Like they can't be like that bad. And that local fish store, they keep their tanks looking very nice, right? So, I'm gonna do two things. I'm going to, I'm going to go through uh... no! no no no! Did I lose it? hold on a minute wait a second here currently use API... oh no! fellas and ladies! it looks like I um... misplaced shoot one of my sources red sea test kit Oh man, review. Oh, bummer. Hold on, Red Sea versus API. Let me look at this one. Um... Okay, shoot. Oh, here it is. Oh, no, I have it. Okay, sorry. Sorry for that. All right. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do a summary overview of some websites that sell these two kits, the reviews on the two kits, and then I'm going to take you through um, just some personal preference kind of message boards things, things. Yeah. And then we'll do Fish of the Week. We'll wrap it up. And then that'll be uh, episode six of the podcast. Okay. So, Red Sea versus API. All right. Here you go. On Amazon. The. Oh, uh, man. On Amazon. Okay. The Saltwater salt Master API kit that includes testing for ammonia, high range pH, nitrite, and nitrate is $22, 4.5 stars, 430 reviews. Pretty good. Okay? The Red Sea kit that is very comparable uh, to the Saltwater Master kit, except that it also tests alkalinity, is $46 with 4 stars and 76 reviews. I think that's all you guys need to know. All right? That's all you need to know right here is these two kits are very comparable. The API is 22 bucks. The Red Sea so- the Red Sea is 46 bucks. The a- API was rated at 4.5 stars and the Red Sea was rated at 4 stars. I the, the API has 430 reviews. The Red Sea has 76. Uh, there's not really a whole lot that I need to say about that. That is just the general consensus of many people reviewing those two kits, okay? Now, I also found another kit, the Master Reef API test kit, which tests for calcium, alkalinity, phosphate, and nitrate. On Amazon, again, $22, 430 reviews. No, sorry, $22, 198 reviews, four stars. Okay, four stars, all right. Red Sea Foundation Pro tests calcium, alkalinity, and magnesium. A little different, right, but I tried to find something similar, $47, $47, 111 reviews, four stars, okay? So there, on Amazon, API, $22, bucks, 4 stars, 198 reviews. Red Sea, $47, bucks, 4 stars, 111 reviews. Same number of stars, double the price for the Red Sea, okay? I looked on one other website. I, Marine Depot didn't have them both. Dr. Foster's did. Not as good of a resource because of a lower number of reviews. But between those two, the Master Reef API Test Kit and the Red Sea Foundation Pro. Dr. Foster Reviews for API, 14 reviews, 4.1 stars. Red Sea, 21 reviews, 4.1 stars. Okay, so just from that alone, API doesn't suck. All right. For the people out there that are like, yo, API sucks, man. Why even use that? It's garbage, right? API doesn't suck. I'm sorry. They don't. Local fish stores use them. It might not be your preference, right? But API doesn't suck. Okay. Red Sea. Here's the one caveat, right? API doesn't test, doesn't have a test for everything that Red Sea does. So Red Sea obviously wins in those categories, right? But I'm just saying, based on a general consensus review, API doesn't suck. I can't tell you they're the best, but I can tell you that they don't suck compared to Red Sea. Because as far as these reviews are concerned, they are equal or Red Sea is less than. And not in terms of money either, in terms of ratings. Okay. So that's where I stand on Red Sea versus API. I've never used Red Sea, but that's because it's twice as much and the reviews are comparable. The reviews are comparable. And I've also read in numerous instances that Red Sea tests take 10 to 15 minutes to come out. 10 to 15 freaking minutes? Are you serious? All right. API is five or less. Okay. Now we're going to hit up a couple things here. We're going to hit up a forum and... Two forms. All right. Here we go. Red Sea versus API. Ammonia test accuracy experiment. All right. Let's see. All right. Here we go. After a freak out this week over a supposed rise in my tank's ammonia level, I began to question my Red Sea ammonia test reliability. Since the start of my tank, Red Sea never showed a full zero Ammonia, always a very slight hint of green, but this week there was more green than normal. My nitrites and nitrates are currently at zero. Before taking drastic action with chemicals and water changes, I decided to compare the Red Sea test kit with another kit, API. As a control, I would use a bottle of distilled water, which should most definitely give a zero ammonia level reading. Then I would test my tank's water with both kits and compare. Below are pictures of my results. All these pictures are straight out of the camera, no edits whatsoever. Now the photos are no longer available, but the guy gives a summary, okay? As you can clearly see, the Red Sea brand gave a false positive of ammonia on a brand new gallon jug of distilled water. The API Red Zero, bright yellow. Okay? His tank water. Again, you can see a clear difference in the test results. The Red Sea test shows some ammonia around 0.1 or 0.2, while the API brand shows no ammonia. Clearly a difference in test results. The API is accurate, and the Red Sea gave me false readings on all ammonia tests. Now, I'm not concluding that the Red Sea brand cannot be trusted, but I will not be using their tests from here out. Let me know what your thoughts on these results are, and if you've had any bad experiences with tests in the past. All right, first person... Um, never use Red Sea, so I can't say, but I will say that any brand test kit can be bad or be expired. So that is one thing you're going to want to pay attention to. Um, the next person, my Red Sea did exact same thing. Always showed the same color as yours for ammonia, never zero. Now that I have all API test kits, my ammonia is zero. I hate the Red Sea kit as I found them to be very inaccurate. API is much better. Um, let's see. This guy talks about... Uh, Three totally different brands. Um, This guy says could be an expired kit. Personally, I don't use Red Sea anymore. Um, He used Salifert, it looks like. So those are just a few opinions. Now, let's go to the message boards. One of my favorite things to do. Check out the message board here. All right, test kits. The title of this message board topic is Test Kits API versus CChem versus Red C. I only care about the two, but we're going to get all three in a Kaboodle, son. All right, I currently use API tes, test kits. I use API kits for testing, primarily due to ease of purchase, but I'm about to restock. Was wondering if folks had any experience or preference for CChem. Or those from Red Sea. Next first person response said, I'm using API Liquid Master. It works really well for me. Next person said, I've only used API brand since it's worked so well for me. Um, my local fish store uses C- chem and swear, swears by them. All right. Red Sea kits are really expensive. I doubt for the home aquarist they are worth the money. Um this person has only had experience with API Tetra and Hagen and says, I like API hands down over the other two. Okay. Let's see. Salifert nitrate kit for me. The rest API. Um, uh, let's see. Okay. People are complaining about the nitrate test for API. It is a pain in the butt. I will agree with that. Um let's see. Go to the dimmer, frickity frack, stoppers. Wow, none of these people are actually answering the question. I should have maybe like read over this first. Um they're all complaining about the nitrate kit, which is not fun. Um okay. Okay. This person, I think API always tests high, not that accurate. I use Salifert, which I think is very accurate. Um, let's see. Just to let you guys know, I'm not going to... This is me just talking. I'm not going to skip any of them and say API sucks. I'm trying to get a good um, good round kind of opinion here. Um These are all the same people! I'm already on page 5. I don't have any other uh, ones to tell you. Oh, here we go. Looks like the thread has evolved, but I will weigh in on on the original post. I have used API, Salford, and Red Sea test kits. I much prefer the Red Sea kits. Several of them have better resolution on the tests. The kits are high quality. And actually, in the long run, they are cheaper because they offer refills for something solution. So you only have the larger expense up front. All right, there you go. Let's see. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man, these are all the same people. I'm already on page 7. Shoot. Okay, so that was kind of a bust. So anyway, uh, it looks like there's you know people who like API just fine, people who like Salifert, which I've never heard of or used, people who like Red Sea. So ultimately, it's up to you. Um, my personal recommendation is API. I, I still stand by it even though people have told me they suck and Red Sea is awesome and, you know, um, you could pour some Red Sea into a, a bottle of Gatorade and it would turn into wine or something. I don't know. Ridiculous. So anyway, there you have that. Now it's time for Fish of the Week. So let's do the Fish of the Week. I'm already almost up to 50 freaking minutes. All right, Fish of the Week is the Purple dotty back. I chose the Purple dotty back because it's purple and it adds a nice splash of color to your aquarium. All right, let's go over some quick stats. The minimum tank size for this fish is 30 gallons. I think that's a load of crap. I think you can put one in a 15 or 20 gallon tank. The care level is easy, the temperament is semi-aggressive, it is reef compatible, the max size is 3 inches, the color form is purple, oh my goodness, it better be purple, it's called the purple dotty back. Alright, so we got that, ooh, we got some testimonials, nice, alright, let's do the overview. The color of the purple dotty back, also known as the magenta dotty back or purple pseudochromus is best described as magenta. Judas, what is the difference? Like a pinky purple? I don't know. All right, a 30-gallon or larger aquarium should be rotted. It may become aggressive towards other dottybacks or fish with similar body types. It is easy to keep in an aquarium with numerous hiding spaces. Uh, Diet consists of meaty foods such as brine shrimp or prepared frozen foods. Food should be enriched and varied in order to preserve its beautiful coloration. All right, let's do some testimonials here, and let's wrap it up. Charles L. from Drexel Hill, PA. PA, what up, son? Absolutely my favorite fish, period. Quick, agile, and very friendly. We'll come right up to the glass and investigate. We'll eat a wide variety of foods, very hardy species, very, teritor- very territorial as well. Make sure you place this fish in the aquarium last, or it will harass any fish of similar shape or size. That's interesting. All right. Joey H. from Franklin, Ohio. My two purple pseudochromis dottybacks are very hardy active fish that are great with other fish as long as they have enough hiding spots. They are a great tank for cycling. Wait, they are great for tank cycling and beginners. Don't cycle your tank with fish, you meanie. Jeez. Burning their gills out. All right. Let's see. Michael T. from City Not Selected, Colorado. This guy's, like, really worried about, like, uh, you know, people listening in on phone calls and whatnot. I love this fish. It was my first one. They are great, especially if you have rock work or or decorations for them to swim in and out of. They will jeet. They will jeet. They will eat just about anything you feed them. All right, let's do two more. Uh, Dan N. from East Lansing, Michigan, I think. Very cool-looking fish. Will eat almost anything. However, very aggressive. Had to get rid of him because he was terrorizing the other fish to the point where they would not come out of hiding anymore. He was the smallest in the tank, but that did not stop him from being the king of it. By with caution. Instantly. Or no, instantly. Interesting. Gosh dang it. Interesting. All right, one more. Josh C. from Williamsport. P.A. P.A all right very beautiful fish always in the open in and out of the rock work constantly a true terrorizer though so this guy although a small fish can be a little aggressive but he's really cool looking he is the purple dotty back okay so thank you guys so much for listening checking out the podcast be sure to check out my twitter i will post a picture of me uh doing the american gladiator event in college which was awesome And I will also uh, you know, throw up a shout out to Zoom Tan for their incredibly confusing commercial that is not really confusing at all. I was just being a moron and I heard it incorrectly. So uh that is all for episode six. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast, supporting the YouTube channel, and <clears throat> man, my voice is cutting out. I will see you guys on episode seven coming in a few weeks. Hope you guys have a good week and I'll I'll talk to you soon. See you guys later.